Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone and welcome into Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we're chatting Challenge Cup preview, a little bit of news and notes, and of course, we have to recap UEFA Women's Champions League. There's a lot to get through. So before we get into everything, a quick reminder to you all to subscribe to us on YouTube. Also as a podcast, follow, like, and download. That's you never miss out on a single episode with us. And uh, we're back at it. Lisa, happy to talk all things soccer with you again. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Yeah, it's so good to be back. I traveled a little bit this week, so I'm glad to be home back in my home studio. Um, good travels, though, just for a little bit of work. Uh, but it's good. I'm excited for this week because there's a lot going on. Like there was Champions League on Monday. Um, the CONCACAF Champions League men played last night. My heart broke. Philadelphia Union, they they couldn't get it done against LAFC. Um, so I had a late night last night. That kickoff wasn't until 10 Eastern. It was a West Coast game. Um, so then I like I'm a little bit sleep deprived, which ma- sometimes makes for a really good show with us as I get a little crazy. <laughs> uh, but then we got Challenge Cup tonight. We got regular season on the weekend. There's like so many good moving parts happening right now. And of course, we get to chat about it with you and, and a lot of news that has happened that we're going to touch on during this episode as well. I'm so surprised that I didn't hear you speak once about the Philly 76ers. Oh, yeah. So so I am very excited, right? James Harden, 30 points. That happened Monday night, right? Fantastic. They win game one. Um, Did I tell you about this yesterday? I feel like we personally talked and I told you this. Of course, we're always chatting sports. Fantastic about the Sixers. They win game one of round two in the NBA playoffs. Joel Embiid. MVP. It's about time. Uh, this man has been nominated year after year. Finally, he is rewarded for all his hard work. Yes. So, of course, I'm incredibly happy and jazzed about the Sixers. They're back on again tonight. But the union losing like broke my soul and my spirit last night. I was just so sad. They end up going down to 10 men um, during yeah. that match. It was it was really rough. But you're right, Sandra. Think positively. We still got the Sixers in the playoff run. Um, and the union still is the rest of the MLS season. They just got to get back on track there. 
I got to live through you, pal. I'm always checking in with the sports landscape of Philly because it's tough out here. It's tough out here in Chicago. It's not, we're not sitting pretty uh, in many categories or pro league. So we'll just, I'll just like, you know, it's important to have friends and root for your friends. And like, that's how I'm, I'm sort of keeping it in perspective. Uh, speaking of uh, rooting for things, there's uh, probably a few just a few Barcelona fans or maybe some Wolfsburg fans who are happy about some recent events in their club's history. Let's talk about Women's Champions League. The UWCL semifinals have concluded. We now know the final two teams who will compete on June 3rd for the Champions League title. It will be FC Barcelona versus Wolfsburg for all the marbles. But we got to talk about how they got there. Barcelona advancing on a 2-1 aggregate against Chelsea FC. What a little bit of a nerve-wracking series at time from leg one to leg two. Tough draw, I think, if you're Chelsea going up against what is essentially the most informed and greatest club in, in the world at this moment, just Barcelona and their ridiculous, ridiculous streak, but whether it's in the domestic league or in Champions League, 2-1 aggregate. Uh, Carolyn Graham Hansen, the bit of a hero in this one in terms of producing the goals for Barcelona moving forward. But uh, I think, if anything, this game, this this two-leg series just sort of showed the type of, of machine, essentially, that, that Barcelona is. I think it wasn't a bad plan that, that Emma Hayes had with, with Chelsea, and I thought that they did a really good job at times of having these really long stretches of um, very organized and um, defensive shapes. But it, they're just at the end of the day, it's like Barcelona just had way too much, um, you know, in terms of what they can bring to the pitch for their individual talents um, to kind of get the breakthrough. And it's wild to think about that because, mm -hmm. you know, this is a Barcelona team that's been doing all of this without their two time <laughs> winner, Alexia Pateas. And there was even that little bit of like a teaser that, hey, maybe she's going to be back in time for the semifinals. Right. But their head coach saying they didn't want to take any risk whatsoever. And there was no need. I mean, there was no need in that game. Like, what's the point of, of having her come back and just to get a couple minutes in that game? I mean, the only need to me is that then she can play in the final and she's already got a came under her belt yeah. but I agree I mean I just I don't think it was it makes a lot of sense why Puteas didn't play in this game but it was crazy that the goals were essentially back to back five minutes apart um Barcelona scoring first uh, so then going up two nil on the aggregate against Chelsea and then Chelsea getting one back trying to fight get a second one because based on the aggregate they would have had to at least get two goals against Barcelona in order to push it into overtime and, and push it into the penalty kicks. They can't do that. Barcelona holds off. Um, but this Barcelona side, Sandra, is just a force, such a force to be reckoned with. They've got 108 goals in their club play right now um, in the Primera División that they're playing in, 108 goals. And now they're just on this incredible tear um, going to the UWCL finals, massive for them. Um, not totally an easy road, right? I mean, they definitely had easy moments, but not a total walk in the park for them because they have dealt with a bit of injuries and things here and there. But um, 
I mean, a really good game between Barcelona and Chelsea. And that was just the first in a pair of semifinals that we got to see um, after Barcelona wins and, and they move on and advance. Then we got to see the next set of games coming up between Arsenal and Wolfsburg and, and both of those clubs knowing that they're going up against Barcelona at this point when they played just this week on Monday. Listen, I uh, I know the goal scorers get, get all the glory, and, and Graham Hansen had definitely delivered for, for Barcelona. I mean, this is a player that's no stranger to stepping up for this team um, in Champions League's moments. I mean, she was one of the, the players that, that scored in their uh, Champions League title winning game in 2021. But I'm so imp uh, impressed with what we're seeing from Atiana uh, Bonmati. I think especially in light of having lost Alexia Pateas for, for so long, this is the player for me that has sort of been like the make or break, the tone setter for Barcelona throughout their matches, particularly in Champions League as well. And I think, look, if you're Wolfsburg, that's like a player that you're looking at and saying we have to try and contain or isolate and eliminate their impact in this future title game because it's a little bit different from what they were facing against <laughs> Arsenal. This game, a little bit different in terms of the goal aggregate, it ends four to five in this one. Both of these teams heading into Emirates Stadium in London for the second leg on a 2-2 two, two aggregate. So it was mostly even going into this game. Maybe you made an argument or so for Arsenal that they were perhaps carrying that momentum into this second leg because they were the home hosts and all of the excitement about the sellout in this game and sort of the trajectory of this club at this moment in terms of uh, Arsenal's own history within uh, Women's Champions League. So, I mean, it's like the, the scenes were set. I mean, it was all there. It was all written. It was like, hey, buckle up because you're going to get treated to another one of these kind of end, maybe sort of end-to-end, -end, maybe uh, frantic type of games between uh, these two teams. And I think they both delivered for sure. Completely. I mean, 60,000 at the Emirates for Arsenal Wolfsburg, massive um, to have that many football fans out to that stadium to watch this semifinal. Uh, unfortunate for Arsenal, right? They, this is a, a team that has just been plagued with so many injuries. And this game ultimately between the Gunners and Wolfsburg came down to depth. And we could see that Wolfsburg started rotating players, which brought on fresh legs, which brought on um, a, a bit of a spark for Wolfsburg. And Arsenal just couldn't keep up at that point. Towards the end of this semifinal, Arsenal really just pushing for a draw because they were just trying to get to penalty kicks, right? If they if they yeah. came out with a draw, they made it to penalty kicks. It's no more running. It's a it's a quick little run up before a kick, and that's where Arsenal thought that they could try to get ahead of Wolfsburg's. Honestly, I mean, a smart play by Arsenal, right? Because you know that you're going up against a, a deep team in Wolfsburg that's got a lot of players, but um, I mean. If Arsenal somehow won this game and then they went on to play Barcelona, like it would not oh. have been pretty. It wouldn't have been pretty. I'm just going to be very frank and honest with it. It would have been amazing. But <laughs> Barcelona would have just steamrolled a little bit in terms of depth, right? In terms yeah. of depth, totally. I mean, it, it, it's wild to think about like. It's wild to think about, like when it when it came to this semifinal between these two teams, that, like what was the X factor for either side? And for Wolfsburg, it was literally just like having a bench. Essentially, you know, it's like you, you hate to see it kind of come down because Arsenal just in this absolute fight that they have presented throughout the duration of their really probably their knockout rounds of the, of the Challenge Cup, and just having lost 
significant player after player after player. I mean, maybe earlier in their season, um, you know, being without maybe uh, Miedema or Beth Mead, but then recently wow. losing a Kim Little for the remainder of your season in Champions League and then Leo Williamson as well. It's just, it, it almost felt endless. You know, it's like, I think at one point and I, when I was reacting to the game live that it, I just referred to it as like a kind of a cruel joke, um, an injury, more injuries occurring in this semi, in this semifinal as well. Like Arsenal having to pull, pull players out as well, just because of what looked like a you know devastating uh, knee injury but you know it's it's funny to hear you talk about like this team trying to push for for something like penalties because I think it, in my written preview of this I, I made a prediction and I said okay I think it's gonna go you know let's have all the high dramatics they're gonna go end to end again there's gonna be another draw and we're gonna go into extra time and penalties but that I would give the advantage to Wolfsburg because I just sort of felt that even if Arsenal had enough in their cannon not to make a pun but able to get through something like two periods of extra time and then penalties. I just sort of felt that like their, their legs would have just been jello at this point. It just would have been were so effort. Yeah. We've been watching this because it yeah. did go into double extra time. The oh. uh, Pauline Bremer not scoring the game winner for Wolfsburg until the 119th minute um, into that double overtime that they saw. So it, their legs were jello at the end of this one. I was just like, man, if it goes to penalty, this it's just, I don't know what type of penalties we would have seen. Five minutes, it was like <laughs> the poor players because they had no rotation. That was it. Like, yeah. There's absolutely no depth for Arsenal. And Wolfsburg was able to just kind of rotate through, bring on fresh legs and power. I think Alex Pop had a tremendous game. She ended yeah. up the, the second goal for Wolfsburg, um, but really fantastic. And, and now yeah. Wolfsburg moves on. Talk about a presence. Talk about a presence that like a team welcomes the return of a little bit different, right? I think when we're comparing yeah. maybe the two finalists of Barcelona and Wolfsburg. It's like Barcelona, like I keep referring to them as sort of a machine. And I'm like, they've got so much there that they can, you know, compensate for a, a loss of, of of an Alexia Puteas. And you've got Wolfsburg. That's like, actually, we're going to welcome the return of Alexia, of, of Alexandra Pop into this, uh, into this in semifinal. And I mean, look, I think she had, you could tell that there were some stretches there where it's like, she's getting back into form. There were also some stretches there where she absolutely made an impact, obviously off of that uh, set piece goal for the team as well. But uh, it's the most exciting time of the year. It's champions league. And so the next time we visit these two teams will be in the championship title game. It's going to be one month from now on June 3rd. It's going to be at PSV Stadium in Endehoven, Netherlands, FC Barcelona versus Wolfsburg. Of course, you can catch all the action on CBS Sports Golasso Network. It's been a real treat for us. We've enjoyed having the knockout rounds. Yeah. It's been fantastic. And the studio coverage from Galazzo Network, you get a pregame show, you get a little bit of halftime, a postgame show. You've got to be watching it on Galazzo Network. That's where you get all the best content and the breakdowns. It's been wonderful to have the two semis, uh, well, the four matches, and then the final, June 3rd, massive, one month from today. We'll see it. I know we'll be tuning in for sure. And, uh, you know, keeping an eye on all things Women's Champions League. That's a wrap for this section right now but don't leave us we've got so much more to talk about we've got challenge cup games to preview and make some predictions because we know you all love those and we've got a little bit of news and notes to catch everyone up on in case you need the whip around so stick around after a quick break challenge cup 
is back. Challenge Cup kicked off really uh, in April. It's hard to believe we're already in May. I'm still getting my head wrapped around that we're <laughs> literally hanging out in the month of May. Jeez. But we had a round one fixture already for Challenge Cup in April. We had 10 teams going head-to-head. We had five games at one point. A little bit different in this midweek matchup. Hopefully you tune in to all the matches that are taking place today on May 3rd, Wednesday. You can catch all the action on Paramount+. Plus. Three games for us to go through and make a couple predictions. Let's start with an East region matchup. North Carolina Courage versus New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. Not going to lie. I'm excited about this one. I think this might be the game that starts to dictate some things in this East region because we we have North Carolina Courage who are coming off of a 1-1 draw against Orlando Pride. Late game stunner by Denise O'Sullivan to snatch and seal a point. But then they're going up against Gotham FC, who have all three points out of their first round matchup against Washington Spirit. So if there's a winner in this one, they can tighten their grip a little bit in terms of that first place in the East region. When we're looking at these two teams, uh, what are you looking for in terms of rotation? Do you think we'll see a lot of it? you think we'll see a little bit of it? You have a winner, you have a loser. Do you think... There's not enough here. You think maybe we'll see a draw on this one? Yeah, I think this East region is definitely interesting. As you talked about, Gotham got the uh, uh, the win in the first Challenge Cup game, 1-0 over Washington. So they jumped to the top of the standings. Um, and I think it was Christy Mewis. Yeah, midfielder Christy Mewis was on Snacks podcast talking about how she thought it was really important that her team won that first opening game in the Challenge Cup because it sets the tone. You get three points, you're at the top of the standings, and it makes the rest of the group stage a little bit easier. So Gotham went in to that first Challenge Cup match against Spirit with a game plan, and they executed with it. Um, That was Gotham's first win of this year as well in that midweek. So it meant that much more for them. And now Gotham is coming off um, a a loss in the regular season to Kansas city, a a KC team that's kind of turned it around. And I know that challenge cup in the regular season in the NWSL are entirely different, but you still have to look at the full picture because these teams are now playing three games in seven or eight days and they're coming off of those different matches and, and whether it's rain delay or only playing 50 some minutes in a game that we saw from North Carolina, it affects the rotation and it affects how we're going to see all of these teams play in challenge cup in the midweek and the rotation. I do think we'll see a bit of rotation. Um, from Sean Nahas in North Carolina because um, they are coming off their first win in the regular season since opening weekend of regular season. It was a 52-minute game uh, delayed against Houston in Houston by a bit of lightning in the regular season. And now they're back at home playing against Gotham. Um, I, I do think we are going to see a bit of rotation between these two sides. But um, in terms of a winner, what about you? Who are you thinking? It, with North Carolina and Gotham, you said you're really jazzed for this one. Are we getting a winner? Yeah, I want I want to see a winner. I want to see a winner and I want to see a loser. I I I know, you know, we're no we don't shy away from uh from selecting the draw, right? And when it comes to to talking about any prediction whether it's challenge cup or or regular season. Um but when I'm looking at these two teams, I think the biggest this week in particular, I think the biggest thing that we're going to maybe take a look at is uh the possibility of a player rotation and what we might see mm-hmm. from head coaches and how they're going to navigate the remainder of not just challenge cup, but this kind of second 
quarter of of the regular season, right? Because we've already got five weeks behind us um, in in the NWSL regular season. So the biggest thing I'm circling is is something that you already touched on in, in chatting a little bit of the overview between these two teams. And it's the fact that North Carolina Courage has some starters who only played 53 minutes in their last game against Houston Dash. It was that abandoned weather game between those two teams. So I'm curious if something like that mm-hmm. kind of plays a role or impacts the, the game planning for the coaching staff around this, this challenge cup game. Uh, I, I I'm curious, you know, like how, how, how are trainings? How how were the scrimmages this week leading leading into what's essentially going to be a second round of Challenge Cup and Week Six of the regular season? Uh, was there more was there more scrimmage versus just kind of conditioning and thing and things like that? Because again, you've got an perhaps an ideal starting eleven that that wasn't able to uh, get a full ninety minutes, even though they walked away with a win against Houston Dash due to just league rules. So I think when I'm looking at these two teams, that's the biggest thing for me. I'm looking yeah. at who's going to be maybe a little bit, you know, a little more fresh, have have the better under them. And I think, uh, you know, if with courage, not having the travel, maybe that's a little of slight advantage. You know, you have all that preparation for a game like this and you're doing it at home. You, you know, you get the the comforts of, of your own bed and, and, and kind of rolling out and getting into work. So I would like there to be a winner in this one. And I think it might be North Carolina courage to take this one. Yeah, I honestly see that as well, just as you talked about with the rotation, um, how everything's going. Um, I could see North Carolina winning it, but I think this is going to be a draw. I think that these two sides are both going to come out and and look to attack with a bit of rotation, which is going to make things – I don't want to say clunky, but not as Mm -hmm. smooth as we've seen in the regular season. Um, And and these are teams that – Gotham, where they are in the standings in regular season, they want to stay at the top and they want yeah. to keep picking up points. So they're going to shift their focus a little bit to the regular season. Um, yeah. And I think the, this is going to be a draw between these two sides. So you've got North Carolina and I've yeah, got I, a draw. Yeah. I've got courage. And I think, listen, I think that's totally fair to, to peg this one as a draw. I wouldn't be surprised if Challenge Cup produces a lot of draws in general over the over the course of the span of the tournament because again this is the first time that it's running concurrently with the season it's no longer this sort of pre-season-y tournament so we're going to see some different things week to week as as the as the at least as the group stage kind of uh irons itself out so i think you have to look at that you have to look at the possibility of rotation who could be in and who could be out i mean Gosh, I think if you look at that availability report and you see someone in Mitch Purse who's not available for this Challenge Cup game, I don't blame you for, for choosing choosing a draw. I think those margins are going to get really narrow as we continue to talk about Challenge Cup as a whole. So I'm going Courage. You're going Gotham. Let's talk about the Central region. We've got Houston Dash going up against Chicago Red Stars. Red Stars on the road in this one. Houston Dash playing the host a little bit of similar energy in this one, Lisa, in terms of how I'm looking at it uh, and compare, uh, compared to North Carolina, Houston Dash the, on the other side of that 53-minute weather-abandoned game going into this one against Chicago Red Stars. And this is a Houston Dash team that has already kicked off their Challenge Cup tournament. Chicago Red Stars finally getting um, their foot into the race when it comes to Challenge Cup. 
I'm very curious about how these two teams are going to line up against each other. And I'm also very curious about what type of rotation we're going to see from either of the head coaches going into this game, because there's, there's some hefty injury reports. Chicago. I I think a little bit more with Chicago, despite Houston's list being a bit lengthier. um, Chicago's without Penelope Hawking, the, Mm -hmm. the rookie that has been very consistent. She's got two goals in the regular season for the Red Stars. Sheena Matthews is also not available. Um, Carrie Recaro, not available as well. Again, this is, I think that that's a little bit more crucial than Houston, despite them having a lot of different players um, unavailable. Allie Prysock, Cameron Tucker, Joel Anderson, Ryan Garris, um, all questionable heading into this Challenge Cup weekend. Game. Yeah, I think I think Houston has they have more of the players that are that are questionable. But uh, I think if you're if you're plucking out some of those names, those are typical starters for Chicago that we've seen at this point throughout the duration of their regular season. So I think if while there might be question marks in general around some of the games of like what we might see from head coaches and who could possibly get some minutes, I think this is the one game that you can circle and say there's definitely going to be some player introduction in this particular Challenge Cup game because of the hefty AR list. So maybe not even, you know, full out uh, rotation or swapping, but even like, you know, minutes management perhaps. You know, mm-hmm. if, if someone – you know, if Valley Prysock is able to to give you a start, but maybe she only starts the, the first 45 minutes of this Challenge Cup game and maybe someone else slots in in the back line. So there's just all these curious little moments or uh, scenarios, I think, that you could kind of take a look at. And it's because of some of those question marks for me that I have this one as my draw, Lisa. So who are oh, you I like that you picked this one as your draw completely. I could see it. Um, I mean, as we talked about, any of these three games that we see midweek could be a draw. Um, I like that you're going with that. I think that there will be a lot of rotation, lots of different players, perhaps in different formation uh, as well, just to kind of lean into specifics and and player um, position availability in this one. But I think Houston is a little pissed off about their 51, 52 minute loss in the regular season to North Carolina. They also lost their opening challenge cup game to Kansas city. That was Casey's first win. Now they're coming into this one and they're going up against the Chicago side that hasn't played a challenge cup game yet. So um, advantage to Houston, even though it's like we're we're playing these concurrently with the regular season, so they do have games under their belt. But I think that Houston's going to come out and win this one. Sam Lady is has just already done a fantastic job at the helm with the dash, and and he is going to start to turn things around this May with this team. Um, they're going to start clicking, and it starts in the Challenge Cup. I go with Dash. Yeah, maybe they come out with a little bit more sense of urgency because they've got those drop points in the Challenge Cup. And who knows, maybe Chicago Red Stars are taking a look at their season in front of them. And maybe they're going to take a look and see at some some things that they can go out and win. And I think Challenge Cup could be one of those things. Uh, We'll see. We'll see if we're correct on this one. We've got one more game to make some predictions on. Let's move to the West Coast and look at the Western region. It's OL Reign versus Angel City in this one. Look, you hate to say that on paper, maybe one team is just going to take all of the points, but I can't help but take a look at what Ole Rain will have going into this game and what Angel City will not have going into this game. And one of those is going to be Julie Ertz, who is not going to be available for this game for an excused uh, absence on the availability report. And I think when you're looking at the Ole Rain Rain side of things – also, uh, an excused absence in, in Olivia uh, Vanderyap 
but uh, they've been that's not unfamiliar for them. I think they have played mm-hmm. without Vander Yeh before. They have been playing without Rose Lavelle, so it's not new at this point to see the precaution that they're taking with Lavelle and the leg injury. And I just yeah, think when we're looking really at slow with Rose Lavelle at this point. No, no, no. I just, I just think when we're looking at this game, I think you could say, you know, you can make a case for a draw, but I think in this game, you pick a winner or a loser. Do you have a winner or loser? Or are you going to shock us by picking the draw? I have a winner in this one. I think Oil Rain's going to win. Um, this is a rematch of the same Challenge Cup game we saw last time between these two sides. We got the chicken dance from Jess Fishlock. Yeah. Um, goals from Jordan Haitema and then Jess Fishlock forcing an own goal against Angel City. Um, but it was the way that this game happened. It, it wasn't an obvious pick for me to go with OL Reign by any means, because in that first challenge cup game between these two sides, Angel City dominated. They had shot after shot. They were putting a lot of pressure on Claudia Dickey, who was in goal for OL Reign at this time. Fallon Tullis Joyce got, got a bit of a breather during the midweek challenge cup game. Um, 14 shots for Angel City throughout this game, seven of them on target. They were putting a lot of pressure on and, and they wanted to get a goal. We saw uh, Cambreros make her uh, yep. appearance for Angel City in this game and she looked very aggressive and got into the box but the way that O.L. Reign was able to score their two goals it, they ended up winning 2-0 against Angel City um, the first one came from Jordan Haitema that was she was putting pressure on Angel City's back line and it was Eisenhower that was in goal for Angel City and Haitema puts pressure on her. It's a bit of a mistouch from Eisenhower, uh, which sucks. Like it, you hate to see that from a goalkeeper that's trying to get time and get minutes. And then Haitema capitalizes and scores the goal. And then the second one, a corner kick from Jess Fish or a corner kick from uh, Megan Rapino sends it into the box and Jess Fishlock kind of just redirects it on goal and ends up being an own goal. Um, but for this OL rain side, they're, they're just on a cruise right now with their play and what they're able to do. They've got 12 goals for, and only four goals against in their last five games in which they are all undefeated in those five games. And they've scored 12 goals. So they're on this roll. They're, they're moving and grooving. And I think that they're just going to carry that through despite maybe a bit of rotation that we see from Laura Harvey's side, they're going to carry that through against Angel City. Again, two familiar sides going up against each other. And I think OL rain gets the win in this one narrow, but they still get the win. Narrow. Okay. I like that you're putting yeah. a little bit of a scoreline on it. Listen, I, I hear you. I hear the case. And I, and I agree with you. I don't think it's as easy as just sort of looking on paper and looking at the, the previous match and just sort of giving that win. There, things always come down to those very, very precious and, and fine margins. But uh, I think one of I think one of those uh, fine margins might be the 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 head to head in the coaches. I think Laura Harvey is going to have a little bit more to to plan for uh, in this game and have her prepared in a little bit of a, a different way than Freya Coombe might for, for Angel City. Um, I respect and appreciate Laura Harvey's frankness and uh, perspective of Challenge Cup um, as it is something that it's a tournament that she feels like co- head coaches and, and, and teams need to use, utilize uh, to their own personal advantages and how they want to utilize those things. And we've seen Laura Harvey not shy away from that player rotation or at the very least some minute minute management across the roster for her players and i would anticipate that we're going to see a little bit more of that in a game like this against uh angel city so 
I'm also going with all rain in this one. I do think there's a winner and there's going to be a loser between these two. And I think it's going to be rain kind of tightening their grip a little bit more on that challenge cup. Three games, three predictions. Of course, we'll check back in and see if we were correct. You can watch all of these games on Paramount plus got courage and Gotham kicking off things at 7 PM Eastern Houston and Chicago at 8 PM Eastern and all rain versus angel city after dark 10 PM Eastern kickoff for that one. So tune in tonight if you've got the time and stick with us, of course, because we are going to close out this episode with some news and notes. We'll be back after a quick break. All right. Welcome back to everyone joining us. Let's talk about some news and notes, uh, not just in NWSL, but across the globe as well. Let's start there. Of course, we are about 70 plus days, let's say about 77 or so from the World Cup. Yes, it's wild to think about. Uh, But um, President Gianni Infantino uh, making some threats in the name of the women's game. Uh, FIFA, the headline is that FIFA threatens the uh, Women's World Cup TV blackout in Europe specifically. Um, Said that matches would not be shown in the continent's biggest markets this summer uh, unless the broadcasters meet FIFA's demands for higher fees. So... Sounds like he's trying to get as much out of the broadcast deals as possible, which, hey, respect. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Right? The biggest stage, the biggest, the biggest tournament in the world. Um, and yet we think it's a little, it's a little extra. It's a little much. Yeah, it's definitely dramatic. I mean, what is this? He he also uh, basically what happened was that President Gianni Infantino came out and, and he had this statement that said that it is our moral and legal obligation not to undersell the FIFA Women's World Cup. Therefore, should the offers continue not to be fair, we'll be forced not to broadcast the FIFA Women's World Cup into the big five European countries. Uh, So that would be Germany, France, Spain, Italy, and of course, England, um, all with teams in in the tournament. Um, But he wasn't happy with the figures that came through and the offers that happened. He called it a slap in the face, (laughs) not to world, not just to the World Cup players, but Sandra, to women, to women in general. He said it was a slap in the face. Um, thank God. Oh, I had my. to chuckle. I had to chuckle. Yeah, at I'm, I'm, I'm still <laughs> chuckling right now. Thank, uh, thank the universe that, uh, that, that these wonderful athletes have, um, Gianni Infantino mm-hmm. as their, uh, guardian of broadcast rights. I look, it's, a. Uh, I, I I appreciate the the energy and in, in wanting to ensure that you you know get uh, what you believe is a good figure for what is going to be arguably one of the best World Cups of our uh, era. Um, but I was also a little bit curious about it too because I, I unless I'm making this up and please if you're in the chat feel free to to help out and stat check me. But I almost feel like BBC has some rights already in play for. Um, FIFA World Cup. So I'm like, what is he talking about with England here? I was just a little bit like, I was just like, am I not following something or is he not following something? Is this just part of the pitch? I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I, I do hope that this gets settled uh, at a certain point because listen, the, the, some of the countries that he's talking about uh, in, in the handful there have a pretty good shot at yeah doing some very special things this World Cup. I think you and I, we've been doing so much, uh, you know, in terms of the buildup to this World Cup. And when we, whenever we cover it, wherever we do a segment on it, 
we're talking all the time about how we feel like this is going to be one of the best World Cups ever. And a part of that is because of the parity that especially within those top 10 teams, if you're a top 10 team and you're going up against another top ranked team, it's almost like in any given Sunday type of scenario that any one of those teams to sort of um, go ahead and take on the other one and kind of deliver a disappointing result, no matter the ranking within them. A four can upset a one, right? Or an eight can upset a two, like et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I, I hope that, um, you know, we're, when we're talking about France or Spain or Germany, those are some of those teams that have those rankings and that, you know, that they could maybe uh, make some noise in, in the World Cup. So hopefully it gets uh, settled out. Yeah, so basically what the point of it is, I mean, Infantino went out and, and made um, statements about the prize money for the World Cup, saying that uh, it was going to be increased this year, increasing the prize money, and pledged that it would be equalized to the Men's World Cup by 2027. And he needs that money to come from the broadcast rights. That's uh, where he's saying he needs it to come from, essentially, because that's where then FIFA is going to get the money. But of course it does mean a bit more money in FIFA's pockets because that's how FIFA works. That's Mm -hmm. how the business world works. You know, I'm a little business gal over here. Um, But it's very just interesting kind of how this all came about. And the fact that he makes this statement that it's a slap in the face to women um, (sighs) definitely made me chuckle, but we'll see what happens. We'll kind of see how this plays (laughs) out. I just don't think that it will not be broadcast in Europe. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's a possibility. I I don't think that he can, he has the power to threaten that. Like that's where I'm confused, right? Why does he have the power to say, Oh, this isn't going to be broadcast there. Um, but yeah, he's trying to get more money for it, which, Hey, I respect that because that's how they're going to try to get the equal pay for women by 2027 for the world cup prize money. But, uh, just kind of funny how this came out. We'll see. We'll keep everyone abreast as to, we wanted to yeah, absolutely. We wanted to touch on it. It was one of those headlines that gets people chatting and talking, us included. And we wanted to bring that up on the show. And if you're joining us on YouTube, definitely let us know your thoughts about it all in the chat. But again, mentioning a big handful of of, uh, of European powerhouses in those broadcasts, right? England, one of those countries as well. And unfortunately, we have to talk about the lionesses and a bit of injury news that will uh, affect them Moving forward, the recent announcement uh, from Fran Kirby herself um, addressing that she is no longer going to be able to compete for the remainder and duration of Chelsea's season and essentially will miss the World Cup as well because she is set to undergo surgery after sustaining an injury against uh, West Ham. So she's expected to be out for a significant amount of time. And then Fran Kirby went ahead and made a personalized message across her social medias and uh, essentially confirmed that that significant amount of time will be for the duration of Chelsea's season and unfortunately um, uh, throughout the remainder of the summer and she will not be able to make the World Cup and that she's going to continue to root for her teammates at Chelsea and of course her Lioness teammates as well but it just this injury bug that's going around right now Lisa is is really harsh, really, really harsh. It's just really harsh. I mean, especially with Kirby, this is a player that suffered this injury, right? Like February, like months ago at this point. And now it's just kind of coming out um, that, that she won't be available for the rest of the summer. Uh, Thoughts and prayers with Fran Kirby. We're wishing a speedy recovery, but now when you, I mean, I think 
across the board, it's devastating to see all these players getting injuries and injuries. And and here we talk a lot about the U S women's national team, and there's a number of injuries on that roster. And with that team, most recently, Mallory Swanson, um, uh, rupturing her patellar tendon, she'll be unavailable for the world cup. But I think when you look at England and this is uh, the Europe Euros champions in 2022, um, and how many injuries they are now dealing with. In, in addition to Fran Kirby, which we just talked about, Leah Williamson, we have talked about before on this show, out with an ACL injury. Um, Beth Mead is like trying to work her way back, trying to get back into fitness. Uh, not so sure about that one. There is just uh, a number of question marks around all of this. Millie Bright, we don't know kind of what's yeah. happening there with Millie Bright. There's just so many injuries. And Fran Kirby just kind of, is, is another one bites the dust in so many, in like the lowest sense of it to kind of break it all down. It's just like another heartbreaking loss for England and the Lionesses. Um, it's, it stinks. It really stinks, especially for these players and, and for the world cup and the competition. No, I, I hear you hundred percent. I think, I think when we're looking at, I think when we're looking at these injuries and we're looking at them at the, the caliber of player that they're, that they're, that these injuries are, are, are affecting, um, I mean, it's almost like I think for the lioness side of things, I, you have to wonder if maybe some of these players that they have lost are players that are possibly irreplaceable. Uh, essentially, I think maybe yeah. people can maybe make that same argument for Amal Pugh. Like, is this is a player that's uh, devastating to lose for the for the United States? Um, but there's also the other side of that coin where it's like, well, there's actually a lot of depth. Uh, in the forward core for the U.S. women's national team um, and the protocols in place to try to get someone in and, and have them go ahead and, and move forward. Uh, yeah. But I think Kirby is one of those players for me. I just think she's a phenomenal player. I think Williamson was one of those players for me. Is it, it was almost a irreplaceable type of, of player for for England. So it'll be interesting to see how um, you know how how Serena Wigman kind of continues to to address these things. I mean, and then the other side of that is there are players who are kind of carrying those knocks. You know, we're talking about how this is an injury that 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 finally said enough to Fran Kirby. This is a player who's sort of been trying to play through it. And then you have maybe someone in Lucy Bronze, yes, who just recently underwent like a scope. You know, so you're you're talking about just like very and very Millie tight Bronze. timeline right now. Who for hurt her. herself in March and hasn't been back yet like there i don't i don't know i don't know yeah no it's tough i think i think um listen i think beth mead i think serena uh serena wigman has already said that they're going to be without her i understand a player's mentality and wanting to try to work their way back but they it sounds like the lionesses are are preparing to to move forward with i mean now do you think that changes for for wigman beth mead now knowing that frank kirby is out uh, I don't think so. Honestly, I, I think maybe it's just kind of a wait and, and see approach. I, I know that, uh, you know, Rachel Daly is someone who's typically played, um, you know, uh, she's played full on the forward line for, for club in her entire career. But when it comes to the national team, you know, she's played, uh, on the back line. I, I but I don't anticipate that changing either. You know, I, I would, I would, I would imagine that, you don't want to disrupt what you've got going on in your <laughs> defensive shape to, to address some things higher up the pitch. It'll it'll be interesting to keep keep an eye on and pay attention to and sort of see um, the different the different type of game scenarios that that Wigman is is trying to evaluate right now and and try to compensate to you know for some of the loss of these players and um, keep an eye on on some of those players who have had some minor knocks and maybe sort of 
you know, gauge their availability closer to the World Cup, whether it's bronze or Millie Bright, et cetera. So tough, tough, um, tough news to see. Um, yeah. Personally, I'm a huge fan of Frank Kirby. I love her playing the pitch. I've got it to, to think of, uh, you know, her not being available for the World Cup. So uh, best wishes for sure to Kirby and her recovery. And uh, you know what? Let's, let's close out with maybe some sports transactions. Let's talk about trades. Let's talk about windows. Let's talk about player movement uh, because we had a little bit of that uh, over the course of the last week in NWSL because the trade deadline has come and gone. It's passed. Uh, I believe it was last week on a Thursday. So maybe there were some things that got over the line and just haven't quite been announced just yet. But one of the things that we wanted to talk about was the trade for Victoria Pickett moving from Gotham FC to North Carolina Courage. My goodness. I mean, we could, could we see Victoria Pickett in a Challenge Cup game as soon as tonight as we're talking about this? I don't know. We'll see. TBD, stay tuned. But um, yeah, I was, I'm not going to lie. When I saw this trade um, go through, I thought it was a great pickup for, for North Carolina Courage. And I thought it was a real head scratcher for me um, for, for Gotham FC because I just am kind of like, uh, they gave a lot. Gotham FC made a lot um, uh, to, to basically get Victoria Pickett initially from Kansas City current and so now here we are and they signed her to a three-year deal with a year option in december of 22 so just at the start of this 2023 regular season gotham made a contract for victoria pickett for the long term saying you're going to be part of our three-year plan coming into it and now (laughs) we're both just like scratching our heads hey i don't actually know why i don't know yeah Massive, massive pickup for North Carolina. But. I, I know how I could see on how this makes total sense for North Carolina. Yep. Like 100%. And yet you look at the Gotham side of thing and you're just like, so essentially you lost a first round draft pick in the 2023 draft. Because when they made this initial deal with the current, it was for $200,000 in allocation money and a first round draft pick in 2023. And so now they're going the other way with North Carolina Courage and maybe getting some of that allocation money back. But that that draft is done and dusted and gone. So I'm with you. Like looking at all of it on paper from the move prior to it as well. It's that's why it's a head scratcher for me. Yeah, and and two hundred thousand dollars is a lot. I think it's worth it for North Carolina. I don't know, and and maybe right, like it comes down to player preference. Maybe. But maybe. she sounded kind of surprised. That it I mean, I don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just I me. mean, I don't think it's unfair to say that you're kind of like I don't know. I'm like, look, I don't know if you sign a, a multi-year deal with a team that just traded for you the season prior and then not be surprised that you're traded mid-season. Really? That's a lot <laughs> to move or whatever. I mean, best of luck to Victoria Pickett. Um, I'm actually super excited for her and her impact at North Carolina because they need yeah. a little bit of that picket sauce in the midfield. Yeah. I think she can provide a lot for them. Um, that's I think it's a really good pickup for Sean Nahas. And this might hurt, hurt Gotham a little bit moving forward. We're kind of see what they do with it because um, they've been getting into a groove. But, hey, we'll see. Maybe we'll get a glimpse of picket tonight in the Challenge Cup for North Carolina. We'll see. I'll be tuning in for sure. But uh, that's a wrap for us here 
and attacking third. Of course, we're going to pay attention to see if more signings get announced or trades get announced along the way. So make sure you stay tuned. But uh, that's it for us today. Thank you all so much for listening to Attacking Third. Tune in to the Challenge Cup tonight. You can catch all the games on Paramount+. Plus. And then, you know, download, follow, and listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us too. Subscribe to us at YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third. And we will be back with a challenge club recap and an NWSL preview for you all. So stay tuned. For Sandra and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.